0: I'm so glad you're joining us for Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we are talking about the surge in bias crimes and the climate of hate in our country. Many people are saying they have never felt more uncomfortable and then come to find out that from our New York City Police uh, Commissioner that there's been a 31.5% rise in hate crimes, bias incidents in 2016 compared to the same time period in 2015 and then nationally the southern poverty law center says there's been a dramatic rise even just in recent weeks so is the presidential election to blame is the president elect to blame as some people say or is this just really bringing like a pimple going to a head and ready to pop is this just bringing these deep-seated hatreds and misunderstandings in our country and city to the forefront. And also we wanna talk about what we can do about it because there's many people from all walks of life, from all faiths, from all ethnic groups who are working on this issue on a daily basis. So that's what we're gonna talk about with our panel. And you know where to find me, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, at Lisa Evers. And our Facebook friends who are following us right now, live on Facebook, you can post your comments and we're gonna try to get those um to the panel as well and read them on the air on here on hot 97. so let me introduce our panel to you we have kirsten john foy he's a minister and northeast regional Direc- director for the national action network he's been out in the community on many issues involved with a lot of the protests and also the planning for making things better kirsten thanks for having for being with us we appreciate it. Also with us is Evan Bernstein. He's the New York Regional Director for the Anti-Defamation League. They have been speaking out very vocally against uh, uh, some of these acts of hate that have been happening. Evan, thank you so much for, for being with thank us. Thank you for having me. Thank we you. really appreciate it. Also with us um, is the New York City Human Rights Commissioner, Commissioner Kamala Molales. They have been doing a lot of work. We're going to find out about that and what resources are there for you. If you have questions, Commissioner, thank you for being with us.
1: Thanks for having us
0: today. We really appreciate it. Also with us is Sheik Musa Drama. He is the um, Imam at the Islamic Cultural Center on Westchester Avenue in Parkchester. His his facility also has a synagogue in the same building. And I met Sheikh Drama when we did a story for Fox 5 News yes. about the students from the, the Jewish students, the Christian students, the Muslim students who were coming together to help yeah. refurbish the building. So I hope they all did a good job
2: Absolutely. with the
0: painting <laughs> <laughs> and everything. But thank you all for, for being with us. Commissioner Malalas, when you heard the commissioner, the police commissioner say there had been such a dramatic rise in crime in New York City, which is the most diverse city in the country. What were your thoughts on that?
1: You know, sadly, it was not surprising. Over the last year, you know, the NYPD, of course, deals with criminal activity. The New York City Commission on Human Rights is, of course, the city agency uh, that enforces the city's anti discrimination and anti harassment protection, so civil rights or civil and human rights related laws. And over the past year, we have seen a 63% increase of complaints and claims in the areas of race, national origin, uh, religious discrimination type cases, uh, and which is why you know, I think that get you know, to one of the questions or one of the things that I think that, that you put out there, you know, what is accounting for these types of increases? I think unfortunately we have only to look at the you know the the political climate and the the xenophobic, anti uh anti-Semitic, Islamophobic. You name it, type of climate that we 've all been through in this last political climate uh, has really has really kind of validated certain types of ideas and thoughts that I think a lot of the people in this room would find quite offensive, and that from the perspective of New York City, the NYPD, and the city Commission on Human rights it 's intolerable in new york city
0: evan we've we 've seen uh, we've seen numerous incidents. I just covered one on the uh, the <coughs> PACE campus yep. with uh, swastikas that were on a, a memo board, and some people dismiss this as this is just college pranks. And, no, you know, we're not really going to pay attention to it. That's how what some of the comments we got from other students are like, oh, that's got to be a freshman doing something, some dumb graffiti, not understanding what they're doing. Do you buy that or is this something we should really be paying attention to?
3: You know, I think there, it's impossible to say that every time is, is, is to random kids that are having fun that maybe get drunk and, and do something stupid. I think the challenge is the symbol itself, especially with people in the Jewish community, has such a a deep, deep uh, negative tone and feel towards it because of the, the relation to the Holocaust and to Hitler and into the Nazi party and, and what that means. And I think if you're a person that sees it and uh, in, in, it's in a context that's not on the History Channel, it, it's it's going to get you deep to your core and it's something that's going to affect you. So whether or not someone's doing it because it's a prank or they're doing it because they're a member of a white supremacist group, either way that that symbol um, it has a deep, a deep effect, a long-term effect on on the community when it happens. We talk to kids after these things, and you, you know, there's there's a real fear that's there. They they, they feel they, one day they're very sure about themselves on campus and feeling very secure in who they are and, and what in what they're doing, and all of a sudden the next day there's there's a, there's a real doubt, and that's something that is. Uh, uh, it's really sad, and that's a diverse campus, and that was the other yes. thing a lot of the students told us too. They, they were like,
0: we're shocked that this would happen here because we're, we consider ourselves a very tolerant campus. Um, Sheikh drama, one of the groups that has faced the most uh, one of the sharpest increases also in terms of hate incidents and just language and is the is the Islamic community, the Muslim community here. Tell okay. us about what what you're hearing from from people.
2: Well, absolutely. Um, you know unfortunately you know for the past several years. You know, we've been enjoying the overall crime, you know, spiral down. Then, you know, a couple of, I mean, last year, Donald Trump came and everything changed. Um, the overall crime still, you know, is at its lowest since uh, the counting begins. And if you look at even the crime against Muslims, is still far less than the crimes against Jews in terms of faith and the crimes against blacks in terms of race. But nonetheless, in the last several months, Muslims, especially in the Bronx, we have the Bengali community that have, you know, received over 20 attacks, you know, because of the way they look. So the Muslims are very frightened, you know, and Donald Trump has not even been in office yet. uh, So we don't know what will happen, but so far. It has not been. So,
0: 20 physical attacks or verbal attacks? physical
2: attacks. Whoa. You know, in, in the there
0: And in people in traditional dress and yeah, the women well, in,
2: the, in the religious garb. Yeah, either coming to work or going to a mask and being attacked and called names or eyes and, you know, all kinds of names. So, we're very concerned about what is going on. But overall, you know, NYPD has done a tremendous job in making sure that, you know, everybody's protected. And I hope that what New York City has done and is doing, you know, can be copied nationally. And do you
0: feel they're taking, when these crimes happen, uh, these these unfortunate crimes happen, do you feel they're taking them seriously, these bias attacks?
2: Well, we have to because you never know. I mean, people are losing their lives and, you know, we have to. We have to take every bias attack, you know, seriously, otherwise, you know, more innocent people will lose their lives for nothing. And unfortunately, these criminals, in most cases, they do not know anything about anything they just watch T V. They just look yeah. for
0: an easy target. That's what that's they it. think is a target. Mm-hmm. Kirsten, what do you what do you think about in terms of in terms of the climate now?
4: Uh, it's clear that bigotry has been mainstreamed. It's clear that it's been mainstreamed by this presidential election by Donald Trump himself, fanning the flames of bigotry and hatred in order to get elected. Um but the the reality is this we have seen historically we have seen um, hate crimes spike around changes of of power. Um, when uh, we've seen uh, a progressive or a Democrat or however you want to uh, frame it uh, administration go out of power and a conservative administration come in power, we see this kind of thing. Uh, we saw it actually after President Obama got elected. We saw the kind of rage and resentment that bubbled up. Um, and And manifested in hate crimes and now we're seeing as a res, uh, as a result of uh, Donald Trump's rhetoric and his election, we're seeing another spike uh, on top of the last spike and that is um, not because of rage and resentment but because of entitlement and in, and the uh, enabling of bigotry by the mainstreaming of it, which was clearly done by the presidential. Candidacy of Donald Trump. Okay, we need to
0: take a short break. We'll be back with more with our panel. We're talking about bias crimes. What's behind the surge in hate here in New York City and the tri state, as well as across the United States? And we're also going to talk about where do we draw the line between hate speech that's protected by the First Amendment, as offensive as it is, and also actual hate crimes. We're going to find out what our guests have to say when we come back.
2: Hey, what's up? This is your girl, Sierra, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers, Real Issues.
0: Real politics, baby, and real people only on Hot 97. Welcome back to Street Soldiers on Hot 97. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. You can find me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, at Lisa Evers. And what we're focusing on in this episode, bias crimes, what is behind the surge in hate, and more importantly, we have a great panel to help us understand what we can all do in our daily lives as we interact with people in terms of setting a different tone and setting a different standard. Joining me, Kirsten John Foy, he's a minister and Northeast Regional Director for the National Action Network, Evan Bernstein. He's the New York Regional Director for the Anti-Defamation League. Commissioner Carmelyn Malales, She's the uh, with the New York City Human Rights Commission. And uh, their website. If you're looking for answers, if you're looking for help resources, NYC.gov/slash. NYC values. Also with us is Sheikh Musa Drama. He's w- with the the Imam at the Islamic Cultural Center on Westchester Avenue in Parkchester. They have a synagogue in the same building mm-hmm. as the mosque. So what we're talking about um, in terms of the in terms of the climate, some people feel like there was almost a switch that went off. Like, all right, it's okay f- to say these things that were previously would have cleared a room or gotten you denounced in the past. What do you think about that, Evan?
3: I think it's very true. I mean, in our office, I've been the head of the ADL for, in the office three years. Um, never do we have a spike like we did right after the election. Uh, you know, it was—it's it, almost an, we really I think for except for two days since the election, we were dealing with some kind of uh, of a hate crime situation in the state of New York, um, which is very very difficult. To, you know, to, first of all, for an office to maintain that because you're trying to respond and you're trying to do the right thing for the community. Uh, and you don't know when it's going to end. So, yeah, it's it's been very difficult.
0: And then in, in terms of the the Trump, the president, president elect Trump, of course, there's been, a, there's been a tremendous amount of focus on that. People feel like, well, he said every, and whatever came into his mind. He said things that a lot of journalists thought would have derailed his chances for being in the White House. And yet here he is, the president elect. Do we need to focus on something else besides him or is it is it well, does yeah. he need to come out and say, listen, This is what it is. I think he's the way that President Obama came out after the election and said, "Listen, I'm the president for all Americans. Yes, I'm a black man, but I'm the president for all Americans."
4: Right, and I think Donald Trump has said that, but the rhetoric is not enough. He he's not in in and of himself the problem. He is emblematic and symptomatic of what um, what I think white America is feeling, which is the country is changing and there's nothing that they can do about it. Um those who it supported Trump don't want to see that happen. This is the the last stand of those that want to see a white and America, America stay white. And um and he gave voice to that to that that unspoken voice that had been silent for so many so many years. These people didn't go away, they didn't die, they didn't leave the country they They went underground they went underground and they stayed there until their messenger came with a message that resonated with them and then we see sixty plus million of them come come to the to the polls out of nowhere nobody knew where these people were coming from they just showed up but that wasn't because of Donald Trump that was because he gave voice to the sentiment that America is a white country it always has been, and it always will be a white country and Until we deal with the core of that problem, you know Donald Trump is a jokester, he's a showman we we'll, we can deal with that, but it's the 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 drive of white privilege and supremacy that drove his election and that movement that we really need to tackle
0: Commission, what about that and, and ter- do we do we turn some kind of corner there where i mean the, statistically whites are the the majority in the United States.
1: You know, I think it's really a question of you know how do you show leadership in government? As, as Sheikh Musa said earlier, you know, New York City has really been trying to lead. I think uh, in this front, and following the election or even before the election, uh, you know, Mayor De Blasio and other city agencies, NYPD, the City Commission on Human Rights, we have really tried to make very clear that New York City is a city for all. I, I mean, I would hope that government would echo that that sentiment uh, in other areas. But you know, even prior to the The actual election when we had seen that uh, Muslim communities were under attack both locally and nationally what did we do we as a city said we're not standing for this we're standing up for our Muslim brothers and sisters we launched a social media digital campaign I am Muslim uh, NYC making clear to our Muslim brothers and sisters across the city that they have rights and that the law will protect them and also making clear to those that would disparage them or denigrate them or discriminate against them or show violence against them that there is a law in New York City and New York City will not hesitate to use the law and whatever resources it has to go after folks who are discriminating against other folks in our community. But in terms in
0: terms of the law, if somebody puts up hate graffiti, if they put up a swastika, if they pass out flyers for a KKK rally, if they you know, if they put out anti-muslim comments or what a graffiti, is that a crime? I mean, the, the the doing the graffiti is a that's a misdemeanor because if you're defacing property. Mm. But is is there
1: another level of crime to it because it's against a particular group? Well, folks in the DA's offices and folks at NYPD will always be you know the the ultimate judge of you know what is considered to be a crime or what is charged as a crime. I will say, under the the, the city's human rights law, there is also another category of claim. It's called discriminatory harassment. A lot of folks don't know this, and they should because folks often think about It as kind of the civil form of a hate crime, and it's where someone has uh, has acted on some discriminatory behavior that would be considered discriminatory along one of the categories of protection under the City Human Rights Law, and we have at least 22, so we have quite a bit here in New York City, and that's accompanied by some sort of threat of force or coercion. So a lot of things that are investigated as hate crimes or wouldn't. Or, or may not rise to the level of hate crime as it as it would under the statute or under the law could also be considered civil hate, civil uh, discriminatory harassment claims that folks could file at the commission on human rights. So at least there's something on record and at least it's 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 tracked in
0: some kind of way because yes. there's there's the argument as you all know that 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 speech is protected under the First Amendment and even courts have upheld, you know, the right for the Klan to march in certain places and yet in this particular climate people are looking at the speech in a different way. Now.
1: Right. And the other thing I would emphasize is that, you know, we as a society are not just judged by the types of claims or the types of crimes that are being filed, right? We're also judged by the things that might not necessarily rise to the level of criminal activity. It might not necessarily rise to the level of a claim under the city human rights law, but they're still not things that we as a civil society, especially here in New York City, will tolerate. We're, we're a city that, uh, you know, prides itself on its diversity and inclusion. And when we see that those values, uh, are, are being attacked in our city we will react sheikh drama the, the
0: the people that have been committing these crimes against the muslim community in the bronx mostly young mostly male what can you tell us about that
2: well i you know the the statistics varies uh, but mostly i mean almost all of them are naive about anything i mean these are ignorant people who do not know anything activated by whatever they see and hear but i just want to talk a little bit about donald trump um you know, without being partisan. I'm not Republican or Democrat. I'm just saying the fact. Uh, We have presidents in the past who have been drunkard and womanized or whatever, but we never had Donald Trump. Someone who launched his campaign based on the most xenophobic, misogynistic, Islamophobic, divisive platform and end up winning. This is a very, very scary phenomenon. And I think if we allow that to be normal, then we really making our country collapse, because the presidency is a lot greater than the platform that Donald Trump has un- unveiled and people bought. So we have to be very cognizant of the danger and the debate that Donald Trump brought to the House, and we should be open arms to making sure that he's not comfortable. Believing that his platform is normal. His platform is not normal. So the people who are committing these crimes are committing these crimes because now they have their men at the highest office. And if we allow them to continue to be that this is normal, then a lot of lives unfortunately will be lost. So I just want people to know that this is not normal. To understand
0: that. Yes. No, I I think a lot lot of people do. I think a lot of people feel like, you know, are very, very concerned about it. It's also when you talk about our, our younger children too, they see these things, they hear about these things. They don't understand what it is and then all of a sudden their little friend who is in, in New York they you know we have so many different races and ethnic groups and religions and uh, kids are, you know, all hanging out together and going to school together in many cases and they just feel like all of a sudden they're different. That's something that can be, you know, very, very painful and very hurtful. But um we're gonna continue this discussion. I also want to talk about the attorney general came out in the state of New York, Eric Schneiderman, and said he's gonna send basically a booklet to the police departments around the state. Listen, you've got to take these hate crimes more seriously. This is not just a bunch of teenage vandals mm-hmm. going out there. This is, these are serious crimes. But how serious are they when you can put KKK flyers out in cars mm-hmm. in Long Island for a second incident in a year, and the po- Suffolk County police told me we're not investigating it. So anyway, we're going to find out what our panel has to say about that. When we come New,
4: York New York City it's Miguel and you're tuning to, to The Street, Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Evers. Real, real, people, real people, real issues, issues and, and real pilot tricks. Only on Hot 97. 97.
0: Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're talking about the surge in bias crimes. What's behind it? How bad is the problem? How widespread is the problem? And most importantly, what can we all do about it? And that's what I want to get a takeaway from and our guests a little bit later on the show. What can we all do about it in our daily lives? Joining us, Kirsten John Foy. He's a minister and Northeast Regional Director for the National Action Network. Evan Bernstein, he's New York Regional Director for the Anti-Defamation League. Commissioner Carmelyn Malales, she is the uh, commissioner of the New York City Human Rights Commission and their website nyc.gov slash nycvalues. Uh, where you can get a lot of information about this and Sheikh Musa Drama he's the imam at the Islamic Cultural Center on Westchester Avenue in Parkchester a very large building which also housed the mo- his mosque and also a synagogue which they gave to the uh, Jewish Orthodox Jewish community in the neighborhood because yeah. they had no place to worship so we just love that when people are coming coming together you guys wanted to talk about the the schools and how it's affecting the schools
3: Yeah, I guess I'll jump in. The one thing I think that's been the untold story here is there's so many young people that you know these stories of of bullying and bias within the schools in the state of New York that are not making the daily news. They're not making the New York Times and. They're not, you know, they're not flashy like a swastika at a, at a university. And th- there's kids that are really, really hurting right now because they are different or they look different in their schools. And we're getting, we're getting call after call after call of incident of of traditional bigotry, traditional anti-Semitism. Like, what
0: what is happening to these kids? And we, how we young?
3: Had, I had one, I had one, a call the day after the election that one of uh, one of my lay leader's uh, grandchildren, um, whose daughter married an African American. Best friend was Hispanic, went to uh, school and was blocked from their locker uh, because of of, of of looking different and being different. And so we're going to build a wall, and you're not going to be able to get there. And we're starting with building a wall to your locker. Are you kidding me? So that's the kind of stuff that we're getting, and we're hearing that also from other community partners. I'm sure everyone else on this panel is hearing it from their their partners in the community as well. And I think these are the untold stories that are so sad that we as a community have to come together and figure out ways to give the young people in the city the tools they need to be able to fight this kind of bias because it is a learned behavior and they're getting this at home and we need to figure out ways to to get into the schools in a more effective way.
1: And it is not normal to shake, to say, to shake Moose's point before, we have to reject the normalization of this type of behavior. It is not normal for kids in school to be doing that to other kids in school. It's not normal for kids to be- not acceptable. Scared about doing that. And I think in normalizing it, we will validate it. So we have to reject that. We have to be outraged. Even, each and every time this happens, we have to be outraged by it and we have to act on these things.
0: And let people know, people know about it. And, uh, Sheik, in terms of the, terms of the Muslim community mm-hmm. there was a lot of rhetoric too uh, i mean the muslim community was probably target number 1 mm-hmm. in, in the uh, election on the republican side from from president elect trump the are, how are, are, does that hurt people because a lot a lot of your members your your mosque members are m- immigrants who came here mm-hmm. do you want to explain to people why they came here well, what yeah. what they were looking for
2: you know the muslim community is very very diverse right you're talking about 35% of the muslim community are Native Americans who've been here a lot longer than Donald Trump's parents and you know the other 65 percent who are of immigrant background are our doctors over 20,000 Muslim doctors now serving American patients you have over 4,000 military personnel and countless number of intelligence who are multilingual nobody knows the number you have close to a thousand 200 Muslim police officers. As a matter of fact, yesterday I was talking to one of the Muslim police officers. He said, "I can not talk to you. I'm, I'm on Donald Trump, whatever they call it, the, the, the detail, whatever list. security <laughs> detail. Oh, security <laughs> detail. <laughs> yeah. So you know, we are very diverse. We are very <laughs> part of this nation, and the Muslim community is in U.S. is the most integrated mm-hmm. group of uh, people than any place on the face of the earth. So unfortunately donald trump candidacy really you know uh, touched nerve in the muslim community and we all got up and did all we could to making sure that he will never ever be president now that we fail our job is to make it not normal and i'm sure the muslims uh, will do more than perhaps any other group to making sure that his candidacy should never ever be accepted never ever the you cannot policies. have a misogynistic you know, xenophobic, Islamophobic, bias, and all kinds of, you know, anti-orders, and then people accept it. No, you're president, but your message will never ever be accepted and will be rejected. So the Muslims will continue to, you know, to be his worst. You know, critics uh, for good reasons.
0: And Kirsten, definitely. And Kirsten, in, in terms of the African American community, there was a sense, I think, in the last couple of years that there's been some progress, at least in terms of the awareness of some of these long standing issues of inequality, of injustice, and some of the police tensions, those types of things. What's the feeling now?
4: Well, the feeling is that we have to be vigilant against them turning the clock back. So all of the reforms and the progress we, saw President Obama try to push, some of the reforms around the criminal justice system, um, some of the reforms around uh, 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 regulating private pri- the private prison industry, uh, the demilitarization of the police, um, the enforcement of the Civil Rights Act. Um, there are a whole host of issues that we're concerned about. We We have the outstanding grand jury from the Eric Garner Uh, case still outstanding. What is going to happen come January 20th when Loretta Lynch is no longer the Attorney General? What happens to that case? What happens to the dozens of other cases? What happens to the dozens of cities that are under pattern and practice review by the the Justice Department for their aggressive and racist policing? So these are concerns that that we have writ large. What's going to happen and not just uh, this is not just a a race-based thing this is really about uh, a, a vision of America, and, what America's and, right, really about. What do, we, what do we want the rest of the world to see when they look at America? Do, they, do we want them to see a whitewashed, myopic view of the world? Or do we, do we want them to see what David Dinkins was called the go- gorgeous mosaic? Right. And what Donald Trump is trying to do is take the gorgeous mosaic and whitewash it. And what we're saying is if you come after one of us, you're going to be coming after all of us. If you come after our immigrants, you're coming after our Muslim brothers and sisters. If you come after our Muslim brothers and sisters, you're coming after African-American brothers and sisters. You're coming after Jewish brothers and sisters. This this really cuts across every demographic group there is. This is really about fighting for the soul of America. This is about fighting for the future of the world. We have now a, a xenophobe with his button on the largest military uh... uh, nuclear arsenal in the world at the head the command of the largest most powerful military in the history of the world and we we're not gonna sit back and watch him March across the face of the earth unchallenged here at home. That's not going to happen, and we have to send a signal to the rest of the world that we in America are not going to roll over and let this man steamroll the rest of the world.
0: What the the NYC values are and the USA values—that's exactly what the country really stands for. Everybody,
1: please feel free to jump in. And I think into that, you know, we're going to see. I think there's been already a lot of partnering and collaboration um, on the local level with different organizations, especially with government and and public-private partnerships. I think. That has really increased, I think, especially under this mayor. But I think, you know, consistent with what Kirsten is saying. It's really going to be a focus on how will if we know if we're uncertain, uh, uh, t- you know, to put it lightly, as to what's going to happen on the federal level. What is it that we're going to expect of our local leaders and what's happening on the local sure. level? Sure. And sure. at least here in New York City, we have a mayor who's come forward and said, "We're rejecting this. We're rejecting this politics of division. We're rejecting turning on our neighbor, on our neighbors. This is always NYC. This is always New York. where diversity and inclusion are you know the the bedrock values that we share here as part of." Of that we are not going back to stop and frisk we are not That's turning right. on our neighbors uh, NYPD is not going back to some of these practices that you know are being called for perhaps on the federal level and with that I think too is you know you know there are ways in which I think that this climate has really affected our communities of color explicitly there are ways that it also affects it in ways that people don't often see. like for instance in New York City we have protections against discrimination based on criminal history we have protections based on source of income protections and housing these are these are areas in which you know people might not think of it necessarily explicitly to, to be uh, racist or to be xenophobic but they do have disproportionate impacts on our community of colors on on black New Yorkers on African American New Yorkers on our immigrant New Yorkers and here in New York City we're proud to say that we have we've increased our, our uh, you know our investigations in these areas because again even as as we're seeing or with the possibility of the uncertainty of what we might be seeing on the federal level we want to send the message loud and clear in new york city we're not going to tolerate it okay. whether it's do being it. done explicitly or whether it's hiding behind certain things like you know criminal history or hiding behind certain things like or or mixed up
0: with other things exactly let's go let's go to some of these facebook comments uh thomas capitelli says on facebook and these are your your comments from the facebook live broadcast um we need our country back that's what we voted for jobs education and bringing america together not just saying it but doing it okay that's his comment um also elena espinosa says we need to come together and help each other mike Seidel. Uh, says both sides must accept each other or we cannot go forward. So is that... There, I think there's a, what that do you, gets to the say heart to people of it. That say, but what do you that, say to people who go like, you know what, he's the president, like it or hate it, he's the president, get over it and get on with your life. I mean, Is that, what do you think, when you hear that, what does
4: that make you I, feel? I mean, Donald Trump pales in comparison to the grandeur of the office. He pales in comparison to the grandeur of the responsibility and to the and to the need of the American people. This look, the reality is it, he was elected by a smaller popular vote than most Republicans have been who have run for president in the last you know, 20 years have gotten. So he doesn't have a mandate. He, he's got a few. Uh, a few million votes and that's, that made you president. You, you took advantage of the Electoral College. Hillary Clinton got two-plus million more votes than you got. So this isn't, this isn't about accepted. You know, in a democracy, you've got to accept dissent as well. That's what makes a democracy strong. Right. It's not rolling over for the strong man and giving him what he wants. And in that vein, we, on January 14th, are going to be organizing and mobilizing for a march in Washington at the King Memorial. Because we want to to plant our flag, the flag of justice, the flag of equality. We're going to set the marker. So when this president comes in, he's coming in already facing an organized opposition to basically everything he wants to do. If he thinks that, and and thank God we have the Democrat uh, uh, leader in Chuck Schumer right here in New York, he's very reachable to us he's very accessible to us if he thinks he's going to have a easy time of all of his appointments and all of his his nominations going to uh going through the senate he's got a problem he's going to face opposition Everywhere he goes, in the streets, he's going to face it in the halls of Congress, he's going to face it on Wall Street. The people that are really going to benefit from a Trump presidency, they're going to feel the pain. We're not going to allow the pain to be concentrated in communities and of just, color.
0: In communities of color, That's minority, right.
4: or any particular group. That's right.
0: This is Hot 97 Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. And what we're talking about is the surge in bias crimes and hate, the climate of hate. And when we come back, we're going to find out what our guests have to say, some things that each one of us can do in our own lives on a day-to-day basis to try to reinforce the values that are most positive and inclusive of everybody we'll be right back
3: yo this is shaggy and this is street soldiers with lisa evers real issues real politics real people only on hot 97 Shug it up.
0: welcome back to hot 97 street soldiers i'm your host lisa evers twitter instagram snapchat at Lisa Evers and of course Facebook too. Official, look for the blue check mark, not the bootleg Lisa Evers Facebook pages, but I thank you for the love for setting them up. But go for the blue check mark. That's the official one. And what we're talking about with our panel, bias crimes, what is behind the surge in hate? Sheikh Musa Drama is with us. He is the Imam at the Islamic Cultural Center, Westchester Avenue and Parkchester. We also have Commissioner Carmelyn Malales. She's a New York City Human Rights Commissioner. Their website real easy, nyc.gov slash nycvalues, can get lots of info there. Evan Bernstein is with us. He's the New York Regional Director for the Anti-Defamation League. And Kirsten John Foy, he's a minister and Northeast Regional Director for the National Action Network. In terms of talking with your children, Sheikh, what should people say? In terms of talking with their children about tolerance and people who may dress different, worship differently, what should they say? you work with a lot of the youth, too.
2: Absolutely. Well, I mean, you know, today is November 30th, which is the International Peace Lighting Day for us. If you come to our community center, you will see a very diverse American population. You have the mass, you have the synagogue, and then you have the church. And people are coming to light, you know, um, the Peace December light, which is right here. And the Peace December was set up to bring people of all walks of life together for a peaceful purpose. As a matter of fact, the language was edited by Anti-Defamation League. So now that, you know, we're meeting, so... Oh, that's great. Yeah, and so tomorrow, you know, we want from tomorrow until uh, December 31st for all of us to stop committing crime, whether it's domestic violence, gang violence, bullying, or even violence against the animals, bias attack, all kinds of crime and violence must be suspended in the month of December. And we talked to our children about what we have in common, less of what Donald Trump is preaching and Donald Trump and company. So, you know, we're entering the month of peace and we want people to talk about peace. What started out of the branch is now being celebrated in 18 countries. The month of peace is being celebrated- You started in, it. In 18 countries. I love I just that. came from the Middle East and from Europe and from Africa, and today they're all gonna be lighting candles celebrating the arrival of the month of peace that is my advice for all new yorkers you know to talk about peace and what we have in common so that we can have a peaceful coexistence regardless of what donald trump and company are promoting
0: you know we love that because we've been doing the push for peace since uh 2011 so we love that hashtag push number four peace Uh, commissioner uh, malalis the in terms of the what people say your kid comes home from school and they're saying something that would never be tolerated in your household. How do you address that? Well,
1: you know, I think I think a lot goes back to the values that uh, Sheikh Musa is talking about reminding folks that this isn't normal. This isn't us. This isn't who we are. This isn't what we're proud of or who we want to be. Um, and there's there's messages that we send to our kids that we model for our kids all the time. I think we model for our kids who it is that we are, who we include in our community. I think we model for kids every day, and I have two little kids, right? So I think we model for our kids all the time. Who are we reaching out to? In New York City, I think there are, I can say as the Human Rights Commissioner, I can say, if you see something, report it. You have have NYPD to report hate crimes. You have the Commission on Human Rights. When you see acts of discrimination or harassment that occur, people should absolutely call us, contact us. They could always call 311, ask for human rights. They could go to our website to give us information on leads. But more importantly than that, it's standing up for your fellow New Yorkers you know, kids see their parents doing that. They see people standing up, not just when somebody is actually being, you know, humiliated or being harassed on the subway, but they see when people are standing up for them in terms of community. You know, I, I'm always like, if you see somebody who could be vulnerable to these attacks because of how they dress or their cultural garb, you know, make it so that they're not alone there. If somebody's right. sitting there on the subway by themselves, I'm going to sit next to that person and I'm going to start a conversation Not too with close, because
0: then they're going to think you're going to try to take the phone, but... <laughs> You
1: are. Uh-huh. <laughs> Absolutely, but, no, but I, I, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. But but you know we are a community, and I think more so than ever, it is important that we show our inclusion through actual human interaction and togetherness. We can't let people divide us. We can't show that we are you know a community of people of color here, a brown community, a black community, a gay community, a, a Jewish community here. And I think one of the things that New York City has been doing very well, and you know as as we as I've been going to or seeing some of the rallies in the past few weeks or weekends is that we have been coming together yeah. as a community. Yeah. And what the, the thing that I love about these things that I've been going to is how many families are there, how many kids yes. are there. And that yes. is what they're learning. They're learning to stand up against hate, to stand right. up against division, and that all of these people who don't look like them, who don't worship in the same houses of worship that they might necessarily worship in, that this is part of their community and this is what we're protecting. That we're
0: all in this, in this together, basically. Evan, what about, what about? Any, any advice? Because you, you're dealing with a lot of these school incidents
3: yeah I think the the key is is for for parents parents. yeah I think parents listen it's also you have to model I mean kids watch what you do exactly uh, They hear you that you hear you when you don't think they hear you and they take that with them and they take you to school and I think that's one piece clearly I think the second piece is getting activated I see so many people on social media that are writing these very long diatribes and rants on Facebook take that same energy and bring anti bias programming into your school. Partner with one of the you know, a major organization that can do this. Like ADL does it, other organizations do it. Do something proactive. Take that the intellectual energy, take the anger that you may have about what's going on and do something that's gonna help the grander community in your in your area. It's gonna help a lot of kids. And so it's I think it's very grassroots with your own children or your grandchildren, your niece or nephew, but it's also about looking at the at the macro level and trying to fix as much as you can in your own community to bring the best values you can because if we don't do that, no one else is going to do it. If you think someone else is going to do it, then nothing's ever going to happen. And we have to be more proactive and now reactive. So much of what we're doing now, especially in schools, based on what's been going on, is reactive. And we got right. to get into more schools proactively. We got to get in communities more proactively. And I think also, as what you said, it's about it's about you know getting people out of their bubble. People li- people in their families live in their little their little kind of bubble around the same kind of people, and they're not Home and they're, school ho- work, er- right. everything you gotta get out, you gotta get with other diverse crowds, you gotta meet with other people and learn and get your kids exposed to these things. Exposure when I was a kid, my dad was a civil rights leader. The one of the greatest things he did was take me to soup kitchens as a kid. And I got to see yeah, all kinds too. of walks of life of people. Me so they, it just right there, it ends any kind of bias because you see them. And we have to, as parents and as a community, do that. It's critical. No, no absolutely.
0: Kirsten, what about the, the attitude? Uh, you know, many people have in New York, you know, go along to get along to go along or go along to get along. Somebody says something around you, like at the workplace or whatever. And you don't really put them in check, even though you find it offensive. It's like, I got to keep my mouth shut. Yeah, people th- feeling a little differently about doing that
4: now. Yeah, I, th- I think people should, should uh, get into contact with their inner New Yorker. Right. And draw a line. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with Donald Trump on one thing. We have to build walls. We have to build human walls around each other. We have to draw lines in the sand. And when you see somebody being abused, you have to stand up for that person and stand with that person. You can't be a coward and be a New Yorker, those things are not synonymous. So if you're in this city and you see one of your fellow New Yorkers getting abused, as a New Yorker, you have the spirit, you should have the spirit to stand up for them. I just wanna say, you know, largely we have, um, we've gotta just lace up our boots and get ready to hit the streets. We cannot afford to let them go one second unchallenged, one second unopposed on anything. This is a zero-sum game now. They've taken the gloves off of us. They have taken the gloves off of themselves and said, you know what, we are bare-knuckle fighting now. You know what, we're not Washington hiding style. the sheets. Right. We're not hiding the, 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 the burning crosses anymore. Now it's time for us to take our, take our gloves off and lace up our boots, hit the streets, come to Washington on January 14th. You can call 877-626-4651. That's 877-626-4651 or log on to our website, www.nationalactionnetwork.net. Join the march. Figure out how you fit in. We've got to reinvigorate our institutions. You've got to become a part of something institutional if you're going to fight something institutional. So we've got to reinvigorate our institutions and lace up our bootstraps. It's on, baby.
0: And then in in terms of the, Commissioner, in terms of the complaints, just so people understand about that, because things happen and sometimes they're like, I'm not going to call 911. Mm-hmm. It's not that it's not that serious, but it's still serious. They should call
1: your office or they should go to this website? They should contact Human Rights. They could contact us through 311, ask for Human Rights. They could contact us uh, on, on the website. You know, there's nyc.gov slash human rights. If they want specific information in the area that we've been talking about, there's also nyc.gov slash nycvalues. But yes, you know, not everything has to, you know, there are, there are things that certainly will be litigated or be filed as claims at the City Commission on Human Rights. Right. Obviously, right?
0: if there's fi- and if there's physical violence, you have to call call 911 immediately. Yeah. Obviously.
1: Yeah. And I mean, and in, in many of those cases, I would also NYPD. I mean, we should handle crime should be handled as crimes. And so yes, they should also they should be reported to NYPD. But the other thing I would say is that you know not everyone experience. That's not the everyday stuff necessarily. That that the, the majority I think of the folks that we're talking about today are experiencing. They're experiencing the, the microaggressions. They're experiencing the things that might not rise to the level of a crime or to a claim or because they're already vulnerable in our community. Perhaps they're vulnerable in our community because of their immigration status. Perhaps they feel vulnerable because of, you know, prior experiences with law enforcement, whatever it is, you know, they should still come forward to the commission because the commission does have the ability to uh, to affirmatively investigate these matters even without them putting forth their name on a complaint or putting themselves out there publicly. Even we,
0: if it's anonymous?
1: Absolutely. New York you know, as as the mayor said, you know, just uh, I think a week ago, is that um, you know, New York City is also a city of immigrants. We are going to protect our immigrants and our immigrant communities. Immigration status is not a reason that people should should fear coming forward to New York City. You know, because again, we embrace folks uh, regardless of what their backgrounds, because of their backgrounds and right. because of the diversity they bring to New York City. Uh, we are not. Pl- uh, the mayor has said we are not planning on turning over information to the federal government that would imperil our immigrant brothers and sisters. He's made that very loud and clear. Uh, the mayor's office of immigrant affairs has been working very closely with us, the Commission on Human Rights some of their information is also available on the the website that we mentioned and and at the commission we've been really kind of revamping our own info line so it's that's the line that when people call up with complaints of discrimination or because they've witnessed discrimination we're also now including more information thanks to the mayor's office of immigrant affairs on other types of immigrant-related rights, other questions that r- right now, I think more than anything, people have a lot of uncertainty and questions that are coming up. And so we're also giving them information and when necessary, referring them to Action NYC, which is one of the, uh, which is one of the, the resources available through the mayor's office. So, so there, are re-
0: there are resources there. Absolutely.
1: Mm-hmm. Sheikh Drama, if, if people, people want to get involved with Peace December,
0: is there
2: a way they can do that? Or how yes. would you recommend? Yes, absolutely. Our website is peacedecember.org or and we're also launching um, Tuesday December 6th we're launching national public safety honor day because for the past several months unfortunately our law enforcement have been um, you know attacked and you know demonized and you know not peop- every person of color you know feel the same way therefore we're launching a national public safety honor day and we will be going to our local precincts and handing them flowers You know, showing them how much we appreciate their sacrifices in protecting us and our families. So we want all New Yorkers to join us in honoring our, you know, public safety personnel. And they are bad apples, but the majority of them wake up every single day to protect our lives and our our families. And we must show them. The, the appreciation. Okay. And Tuesday, December sixth is the National Public Safety Honor Day.
3: All right. I'm I'm almost out of time here, Evan. And the last bit for us of the ADL. Go to adl.org if you want to get anti-bias education into your schools. Just call us and we will work with you. We'll get into your school, uh, no charge uh, to do it. Uh, also, you can also report a hate crime incident or any kind of hate incident on our website as well, and it could be anonymous, and we will be there to help, and also direct you to whoever agency is the is the best. So. Uh, again we just hope people do get engaged in
0: ADL. org. and Kirsten you want to give that website out again for yes, people uh, about the march?
3: Yes,
4: www.nationalactionnetwork.net that's www.nationalactionnetwork.net and not just for the march if you need to reach out to somebody and you're afraid you can call us as well.
0: Alright I want to thank all of our guests for being with us for this episode of Street Soldiers. Sheik Musa Drama, Commissioner Carmelin Mal- uh, Malalas, our New York City Human Rights Commissioner Evan Bernstein, New York Regional Director, Anti-Defamation League, and Kirsten John Foy, Minister and National Action Network Regional Director. Thank you all so very much for being with us uh, for this episode of Street Soldiers. We're going to be posting it, yes, of course, on Twitter, SoundCloud, LisaEvers.com and uh, sending out the link so you can listen to it and share it with people and share this outstanding information. But thank you so much for all taking the time out to uh, try to inform us and, and give us ways to deal with this. We really appreciate it. Thank you. R- thank you remember, you so much. use your mind. It's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. I'm Lisa Evers. Push for peace.